if we look at the success rate of traders, you know, it's a lot of places say like 90% of them fail, right? Hey, it's Walter here and you're at the Think Profit Podcast where we're going to help you develop a rock solid trading confidence and avoid the potentially endless cycle of system switching. Right, Hugh? That's right. We're going to help you develop a wealth mindset, develop a trading strategy that fits your core personality and help you overcome the obstacles that stop over 90% of traders. All right, Hugh. Sounds good. You ready to go? Yeah, let's do this. Hey, Walter, uh, this might be kind of a weird one for most people, but I got to thinking about a person's sense of identity and how that relates to trading. So do you think that a strong sense of identity, personal identity makes a better trader? Um, it depends. <laughs> like most thing in life. I would say like, like a lot of times you'll see these gurus and they're like really strong personality, especially if they come from the institutional background. Like a lot of the guys that were on the floor, they're mm -hmm. physically imposing people. Yeah. Like they're used to being kind of dominating and like in the floor, that was important, right? Um, because you had to, like, you wouldn't be heard. You wouldn't get your orders filled if you didn't catch someone's attention, right? Mm -hmm. So some of those guys can be, and then also just when you trade a lot of money, there's a lot of ego involved. There's a guy actually right around the corner from me mm -hmm. um, and he had a big, huge fund. And I don't know if you heard about, but there were there was somebody in January of 2020 that was putting in a lot of orders, a lot of short, like a lot of short orders. He went long, sorry, he went short the CAD yen, like short the indices and stuff like that, like put on huge orders, a lot of options and stuff. Um, assuming that the market was going to tank. This mm -hmm. was in January, 2020, uh, where most of these words, and people were like, who is it? Who is like, there's a lot of no noise, like who's putting into this mystery trader or whatever. Mm -hmm. Well, it turns out it was like my neighbor, not my neighbor, <laughs> but you know, he's around the block. He's literally like a block away. Right. Yeah, yeah. And a much nicer house. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and anyway, he and his wife both run hedge funds and oh. apparently he had bet. Oh, he bought a bunch of mask companies too. Oh, Did okay. all this in January, 2020, yeah. assuming that the, um, that we were going to have the big crash, right, from the virus. And so um, I just, I saw that, I found that fascinating, right? That he was, like, he basically went all in, you know, mm -hmm. with his fund. And he was like, and, and it cashed out and he made like 2,400% or something like that. It was, it was extraordinary, right? Because um, obviously the market did fall in uh, February and March last, uh, in 2020. Mm -hmm. So um, after, you know, all the news came out and the markets finally kind of panicked. Uh, so, you know, that kind of thing. And George Soros is famous for that, you know, taking these really strong positions against. So when you do that, when you do that, that's an ego feed. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like that, that can really mess with you. And what that means is later on, you might get to a, a, a position where you, you're just completely convinced that you're going to, that's the right side. And mm -hmm. maybe you're not on the right side. And maybe you go full bore like, um, Soros and Andrew Barry, I think that's his name, the guy from the big shore and my neighbor guy, like the, these people can get really, you know, that, that, I think that can be a problem when the ego gets involved. I'm not saying that those people have that. I'm just saying that that that's definitely potential, right? That it's definitely a potential for that. When you have these big, huge wins, it's like the old adage. They say the worst thing that ever happened to me when I was a trader is the first trade I took or the first week or the first month or whatever, the first Air time period, I made a bunch of money, 
It was the worst yeah. thing that could have happened to me, right? You know, because <laughs> because then I think it's easy. I think I know what I'm doing, and blah blah blah. And it's, it was all downhill from there. Like you hear stories about traders where that sort of thing happened. Um, it kind of happened to me where it wasn't really me. It was my friend who tripled our account the first night or the second night that we were trading. <laughs> but um, but then we lost it on Friday by Fridays uh, by the end of the week. But you know that kind of thing is true. But but what I think the other thing that I think you might be getting at, I'm not sure. So there's that ego part of it, but there's also a sense of confidence that's needed, right? You can be overconfident and you can really go for it because you think you know what's going on and other people don't, right? Like you're the mind that understands the markets and all that stuff, especially if you're into funny, funny mentals, like funny mentals get really into that. People that are into funny mentals, I think can get really into that. But the other side of it is having the confidence that you need as a trader to pull out of those terrible drawdowns. Mm -hmm. And that to me is discretionary systematic traders. That's a real big deal because that's when you're at your weakest. So you and I both know that when we're in drawdowns, that's when you're at your weakest. That's when you are most susceptible to making the big mistake. Mm -hmm. The big mistake could be doubling down you know, taking a big, huge position to make back those last seven losers. It could be trading, um, changing your strategy and modifying it and saying, oh, well, if I had done this instead, I would have lost, you know, would have avoided all those losers. Or it could be that, you know, thinking that the markets have changed, all these algorithms and robotic uh, traders and institutions have changed the market. So my system doesn't work anymore. Like all of those things that creep up in the moment of doubt, you need to be able to have, have the ability to squash those. Mm -hmm. It's true that those things could be true, but in most cases, it's not. In most cases, it's just the demons that are creeping up and scaring you. Mm -hmm. That's how I see it. So I think you do need that confidence. You do need that bit ability to, to rebound from, from poor periods of trading, but you don't want to swing so far that you think you are like Mr. Market <laughs> and you know exactly where, you know, things are going to go. So that's, that's my take on it is that resilience and confidence is really important. So that aspect of your personality is key, but also, you know, being open to new ideas is good too. Like being open to like, for example, if you just trade trend following strategies and you never take reversion to the mean strategies, that's a missed opportunity to diversify. So mm -hmm. being open to new ideas and stuff like that and, and build strategies that are complementary, That's also, that can also be like a, a personality fault too. Uh, but yeah, so those are those are sorts of things that I think about when when I'm thinking of that. What about what about you? What are your thoughts? Cool. Yeah, no, I was more I was talking more about like having the confidence to come back, and um, yeah, I think if we look at the success rate of traders, you know, it's a lot of places say like ninety percent of them fail, right? I think that's really indicative of um, how people think in the general public. Like you see a lot of people following whatever's on the news or they're following this guru or they like to follow this guy or whatever, right? And they don't really develop that sense of their own personality. And I think that's really important to having that confidence to go forward in trading, especially when most people don't know anything about trading, right? So um, yeah. that's kind of more of what I was getting at, but um, you have a good point there. You can really get overboard and you can start to think you're the, you're, you're the man and you're going to just... Um, you know, make all this money. Hey there, I hope you're finding this episode useful. I just wanted to let you know that Walter and I give away something valuable every month that helps traders improve their skills. You can enter to win by simply leaving an iTunes review and leaving a comment on our YouTube videos. At the end of each month, we'll look at the comments and reviews from the month and we'll pick a winner at random. 
Each comment and each review counts for one entry during the month that it's submitted. So if you're interested in that, be sure to enter after this podcast is over. All right, back to the episode. Yeah, you'll see it with these guys that are, are veterans, especially in the institutional world, like in the, you know, the reason why I say this, because I hear people talk about it. They go to like trader groups because they have these trader groups in Australia. It's mm-hmm. called the Australian Technical Analysis Association, ATAA. Okay. And so they'll have these talks and um, I, I've done a few of them or whatever, but like people will come to me that had went, had gone to the talks and they're like, dude, that guy's crazy, man. He's got so much <laughs> ego and stuff. And they tell me, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, uh, and then, but now I think what's happened is some of these chapters, not all of them, the Melbourne one's really good and stuff, but some of these chapters, what happens is they have like, uh, I don't even know if they meet anymore, but when they did, um, they had free drinks. So people would go there and that, that, that <laughs> like a lot, lot of alcoholic traders would show up. <laughs> because of the free drinks that <laughs> went told it totally went downhill from there but yeah so you'll hear things about oh yeah so-and-so came like a famous trader and they'll be like dude that guy's so much ego you know and stuff like mm-hmm. that so it's interesting yeah it, re- it really is interesting and i think what, what you were saying about the 85 percent or 90 percent of traders that fail what's interesting about that is like i think of other markets like People say that about like what you and I do trading markets, mm-hmm. but there are other markets that people just assume that like everyone makes money. For mm-hmm. example, like real estate, yeah. everyone just assumes that, that if you get into real estate, like it's always going to go up. Like to me, that's so funny because I look back at my life and like what happened with my parents, every time they sold the house, it was at mm-hmm. the bottom and every time they bought, it was when they were getting really expensive. Like it was, it, it was like, it's like magic. Like it's really is amazing to me. And I don't think that's a unique thing. I think there are a lot of people that pile in when there's a frenzy right before the top. And a lot of people that go, Oh my gosh, this, you know, this neighborhood or this city or whatever it's, it's done now. And they sell at the, literally at the bottom. And I saw that close up. I mean, looking back now, I see what happened. Mm-hmm. I didn't kind of realize it at the time as a kid, you know, when we were moving around, cause I moved around quite a bit as a kid, but yeah, it is interesting to me that like everyone says that the markets are so hard to trade, but then some markets like real estate apparently is just like, you know, everyone has the golden touch, whatever. I don't know. It's crazy to me. Yeah. No, I saw this story, this uh, new story about um, houses in East Bay, San Francisco, Berkeley, Oakland and all that. And some people are offering like a million dollars over the asking price. And that just like blew my mind, (laughs) but that's a perfect example of like, you know, people think it's going to go up forever and it probably won't. Yeah. 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 It's so true, man. It's so true. Well, we have over here in Australia, we have um, interesting, they have off market. So you can buy a house that's off market. And so I always ask the, you know, the, the agents, I'm like, how is it that they're selling it and it gets sold, but it's not on the market. (laughs) Does that mean it was, (laughs) was on the market? And so what you, I guess what it is, it's like people that are like, they're going to sell, Mm. their house at a certain time because over here in australia everyone wants to help sell their house in the spring because in the spring is when everything's nice and apparently the prices go up every spring i don't mm. know that's the theory right mm-hmm. uh, you don't want to sell in the winter which we're as we're recording this we're going right into winter right now so everyone wants to wait until springtime to sell their house so you have these off-market places that are not for sale no one knows that they're for sale but if you go to an agent and the agent knows you know, someone and they knows the owner or whatever, then you could actually buy it. 
But the thing is, you have to pay the price. Spring price. For the, the spring price, the October <laughs> okay. price, the September, September, October price, uh-huh. which is spring over here in Australia. You can't, you can't pay the winter price. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> I just, the whole thing is funny to uh-huh. me. I just think it's hilarious, but yeah, whatever. Yeah. It's the way things are, right? It's, yeah. 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 All right. Cool. Thanks, Walter. See ya. See ya. All information in this podcast is for educational and informational purposes only and is not trading or investment advice.